0: Yep, uh-huh. that's all I said.
1: All right, everyone, welcome back to the Three of Seven Podcast. Kristen, uh, you want some sunglasses to fit in. <laughs> Krista's mad. Chili's happy. Blake, what are you, Blake?
2: He said he's mad.
0: Yeah, I'm mad. About oh, that you're mad PT. too. Yeah, indignant. Okay. If Krista's mad, I'm mad.
1: I'm not mad. I'm never mad. Blake's indignant. Something's on your mind, Kristen. I <laughs> mean, tell not... the people. Just go ahead.
2: No, it's not.
1: All right. Well, um, I want to encourage all you guys that are listening right now. I want to encourage you with something. Look, I promise you, you can find a way to do what you love to do for a living. But here's the caveat. It is going to take time. It's taken us over three years just to get to this point. And we've got a long ways left to go. So, if you're just getting started in something, if you have an idea, you're just getting started with a business, you're trying to find a way to make what you love to do in life part of your uh, business, don't get discouraged and understand that it takes time You just have to start. You may have to work a couple different jobs at first. Ain't that right, Blake? (laughs) Yeah. And then you just pick away at it, man. You just add something here. Add something there. Look, be patient with it. I promise you, you can do it. I just wanted to encourage you guys, if you're just getting started out there, wherever you are.
0: You're going to get aggravated too. He said don't get aggravated. You're going to get aggravated. Oh, yeah. You are. You're going to get aggravated, but you got to decide what can I do that is not going to be aggravating, and then just do that until you can get help or find something else to do. Because if you just keep doing things that are aggravating, you're not gonna you're not gonna stay with it. Yeah, you can't be aggravated all your life. So,
1: yeah, and um, all right. That's I don't know why I don't know if somebody needed to hear that or not. Chili hates it that I'm saying that right now. He hates it that I'm encouraging people in that manner.
0: Yeah, he don't like he don't like you to encourage people. No,
1: that just made him real fired up right there. Well, you know
0: he's been drinking that liquid death to fit in, so <laughs> that is true.
1: Um,
3: now, can I ask? You
0: told me that in the truck, and since he
3: brought it up, is that real? people drink this liquid death canned water
1: to fit in that's what it's for this company i don't think so i'm telling you this company has made a water in a can what looks like a beer can and it don't look like a beer can it says water on it okay well maybe we're talking about a different company then but there's a company that makes water in a beer can and I've seen people posting it on Instagram saying, I c- holding this thing, this can that looks like a beer can, but it's water and doing a selfie and saying I can finally fit in. That's
3: insane.
1: Well, <sighs> you don't buy I- it. <clears throat> yeah, that's it. That's it.
3: That looks like a beer can. Yeah. It looks like an aluminum can. I mean, I think beer cans look like beer cans when they say beer.
1: Well, if like, you if you didn't study it and just in passing, you would think it was a beer can. Yeah, I mean that, they
0: use Miller Light colors and
1: yeah. Why do you think people do that, Krista?
2: What, market it that way?
1: No, or, no. Why or, do you wh- why why do you think people drink that canned water to think to look like they're drinking alcohol?
2: Well, according to you, they do it because they want to fit in. Is that what it is? I don't know. It's the first time I've heard of it. It was this morning. I think that's insane
3: if that's the reason, but
1: you don't seem to. I, I, it really, no, it, it really, I don't think it's insane, man. I think a lot of people, um, including myself at one time in my life, a lot of people have issues with, uh, being confident about themselves. They, they really do being confident about who they are and they're, the genuineness of who they are, right, um, dude? There's a lot of pressure that this fake culture that we all live in puts on people, and so no, I don't, I don't think that that's a crazy thing at all. I don't think it's right. Um, how do you build confidence in yourself? Well, I the the what helped me become confident in myself was uh the military the old military all right it it really did man i mean before before i joined the navy as a young man i'm not i mean just to be straight up well you yeah, i felt like i had to prove myself like i wasn't sure about myself i wasn't sure about it. you know my capabilities and and all that stuff and that's a heavy weight to carry around. And, and I think a lot of people carry that throughout the duration of their life. Um, but if you'll go out and pick something difficult to do and engage that, work for it and get through it, that'll help you build confidence in yourself. I think accomplishing things, whatever it may be, help build confidence in people. Not in all cases, right? Because I've known plenty of very accomplished people that are not self-confident. I'm just saying that's one way. That's what helped me personally. You got to prove yourself to yourself first. Like if,
0: if yeah. someone else thinks something's hard and you do it and you think, that wasn't really that hard. Like maybe you impress them and they think you should have confidence, but you think like, that wasn't really that hard. Then you haven't proved yourself to yourself yet. And so I... At least for me, like if I do, if I go do something and I thought, dang, that was pretty darn tough. I can't believe I got through that. Then it gives you some self confidence and prove yourself to yourself, not to anybody else.
1: Yeah. So, no, I don't think it's crazy. I think that's something that a lot of people freaking struggle with, man. I I, think it's crazy.
0: That looks like a pretty evil company, too. Really? They got like a video of like the devil smashing plastic and then their thing says sell your soul and it's got a bunch of headless uh like things
1: on there it looks pretty evil huh well they're propagating to people's lack of self-confidence so their entire mission i think is absolutely asinine yeah here we go again (laughs) here we go again (laughs) 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 This leads right into good conversation, yeah, what we yeah. wanted to talk well, about. Well, I want to tell you guys uh, first, this episode is brought to you by our long-time friends and partners at ExoSkin. If you guys haven't worn ExoSkin apparel, you're missing out. Let me tell you real quick about ExoSkin socks. They are hands down, I'm talking about, they're in a whole other category, Exoskin socks are. I have a. I have pairs of Exoskin socks that are. I think three years old now, that I still wear. Now I love the Exoskin toe socks. They take a little bit of getting used to, maybe for some people. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you, for me personally, they pay off in the long run. I cannot stand getting blisters between my toes. Y'all ever have blisters between your toes? Oh, it's miserable. Y'all don't run far enough, Kristen, Blake. Um, Have you, Chili? I don't get blisters. You don't, really? No. Now, I've had, okay, well, I guess I'm the only one in here. I'll go ahead and debunk that myth. I've seen a blister (laughs) on Chili's foot. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. You saw something different. I have gotten blisters between my toes before on long runs, and that's what drove me to start wearing toe socks and, um, exoskin is the only pair of toe socks i'll wear all the other ones are just they're just subpar and um yeah you get what you pay for exoskin all of their apparel is made in america i mean down to the usa down to the very thread okay um it lasts it's quality it works it's got awesome technology built into the fabric including copper fiber woven into the fabric that cuts down on odor causing bacteria. It is also channelized to, all their all their apparel is channelized to where it moves moisture away from your skin to the outer edges of the garment. And so thus keeping you dry and cutting down on chafing, blistering, all that crazy stuff. ExoSkin's been with us since really pretty much the very beginning of the podcast. And um, if you guys want to support the show, one of the ways to do that is to support the companies that support this show. So, if you run, if you hike, if you do CrossFit, if you generate body heat and sweat, nastiness, go get you some Exoskin for your next mission. Check them out at exoskin.us. I'll put a link to their website in the show notes of this episode. And also, a pro code that you guys can use on your order with Exoskin. Thank you, guys. For allowing me to talk about exoskin. Um, yeah. All right. Today we are going to talk about. I, I've gotten a lot of questions in the past from people that are asking what to do with this big series of books that is called the Holy Bible. All right. Now, the Bible is a a interesting compilation of books documents, um, history, Uh, I think that even if you don't subscribe to Christianity, you could get a lot of value from reading the Bible, all right? The Bible, again, is a series of books. It's not one book. And a lot of times when people pick this up for the first time, they're like, holy smokes. What in, how? where do I start? Do I just start at the beginning? Most books, that's what you do. You just start at the beginning. The Bible can work. You can start at the beginning, but it works a little differently. Um, at least it has for me. It's a book or series of books that you can, well, I've studied it now for um, about 10 years, and I still get, just new things from it every time I open it up. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So, we're just going to go around the horn and share what do we find unique about the Bible compared to other books? And where do people start? And what do you do in your own daily life to figure out and learn from the content of the Bible? Hopefully, this helps you guys. <sighs> so, that's the topic of the podcast. Who wants to begin this conversation? I guess we should talk about first, what do you? What makes the Bible unique to you guys compared to other books? I think that's pretty
0: easy. Number one is what you just said, like wh- what other book can you study for 12 years and then constantly getting new things out of it. So that's one. Uh, even just the structure of it, itself, a book made up of multiple books. There may be something else like, out there like that, but uh, not many. And then the fact that it can, uh, you know, some people call it the living word, and that just kind of refers back to that. And it was given every verse in there was breathed by God or inspired by God, and so there's no other book out there like that, and it's absolute truth. There's no other book you can read that is that you can Stand firm on and say, "I know that this right here is the truth,
1: even if I don't like it."
0: Yeah, even if you, yeah, especially when you don't like it. Yeah, especially when you don't like it. There, there's nothing else out there uh, in any form of reading or media or anything that you can say this is a hundred percent truth other than the Bible.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Yep. You know, another thing, one thing that I think is very unique about the Bible is that. It's composed of multiple books that were written over a span of a few thousand years, right? Is that right? Yeah. Be a few thousand years. And and the they all go together. Uh, and they kind of in 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 so many places they reference one another. Mm-hmm. Um and there are aspects of the Bible that we know as prophecy all right. So in the Old Testament, there are at historical prophecies that you can actually find throughout history that, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of years later, those prophecies actually unfolded and, and became reality. Um, it's pretty cool uh, from that perspective. Yeah. What about you, Chili? Well, one thing How long have you been studying the Bible?
3: Well, I mean, I guess I didn't as a toddler, but I mean, since I was f- four or five, I don't know. Or whenever I could read, two, okay. I don't know. When can you read? <laughs> not at uh, two. If you're chilly, th-
1: probably two. <laughs> uh,
3: um. Yeah, I think. I think. Um. As I. I think when you do study it, or you you did did anything for since you were a kid. obviously changes as you mature and you know i'm i would say i'm fairly intellectually limited but i'm less so than i was when i was five um so you know you are studying the same thing that you did when you were 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 a kid you know you have different thoughts on things that it changes more more so that i mean i'd say everybody does over time like chad has in he was an adult when he started, and he's an adult now. But still, he, it's changed, you know, in your perspective on things. But I think, to a great degree, when you're a child, because it's just the nature of of, of growing up. But um, I don't know. I would say, in one way, I think people tend to think that the more they read the Bible, they'll the more that they'll understand it. The more that they'll understand the the deep questions of the universe, and to a to a large extent, with me, it's like you actually realize how how little you do know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it more so reveals like, oh, I'm, like I'm, you know, I don't know, I don't know nothing. Like I'm, I'm totally, like the more you start thinking, oh, I, I I'm, I got this figured out, I got this, you're, you're like. Mm. No, I'm totally you know I don't have have it all figured out. I mean that that's that's one kind of a weird way to say that I've you know I think studying the Bible help helps you realize your complete dependence because it is so hard to fully grasp, you know, mm. cuz like I think if you look at it in its entirety, you you want to piece it all together and I think that's a lot of people's mindset when they go, okay, I'm going to study the Bible and like figure out this, try to figure out the big narrative, you know, from the beginning of time to now. And I think that's, that's looking at it. I I get that, that desire to, to figure that out, but it's, it's, I think it's too overwhelming to try to do that, you know? So, but, but I think that's one way to do it is, is try to, you know, go through the beginning of time to now and, and figure it out. <laughs> um, I think studying the original, languages of the bible you know hebrew and then the new testament greek is really beneficial because i think a lot of times people misinterpret verses and sections of the bible because they don't know what you know we understand the english language if i mean most people i think listen to this speak english and you understand when, when stuff is meant to be a metaphor, when stuff is meant to be symbolic, when there's an allegory in, in English literature, but you may not understand when it is, when it's, you know, Hebrew translated to English. So you have to study the Hebrew and that's something that I've tried to do. Uh, it's very hard, very hard. And that may not be something you do right away, you know, to try try to figure all that out. But no, it's just, I've just really rambled. I don't even know what the question was, but <laughs> that's, I understand why it's overwhelming to people, especially as adults when they're just like confronted with, oh, here's the Bible, just start studying it. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, well because yeah, what of all heck? that I just said, it's like, well, what do I even do? Mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, you can start from the beginning and I would actually think that that's a good place to start. If you want to, if you if you're completely out of this, you know, world, uh, you've never studied scripture before. I mean, to me, it makes a lot of logical sense to start with Genesis because well, that that's the origins. Yeah.
1: Well, we're not. We're. I haven't asked that. Sorry, question I'm. Yet. I'm just. Um, Krista, what what do you find unique about the Holy Bible?
2: Hmm. Well, I think some of the things you guys mentioned already are things that came to mind. One of the things I thought that popped in my head was a memory of just when the Bible uh, became very real to me, and I just saw it in a different way, and it just all, the, all of a sudden had a different weight, and I had a hunger and a yearning to to study it and read it, and know what was in there and understand it and, and be connect and really be connected with it more than anything. Um, because to me it represented a relationship and it represented, um, honestly life. That was the word I was, a uh, late teens, right before I went off to college when that kind of happened. And I remember even though I was older, I remember thinking if people knew this, they would think it's so crazy and silly, but, When that happened to me, and I had that sort of awakening, I literally would sleep with the Bible under my pillow, (laughs) and I knew like there's nothing like logically, uh, real about this. But but I in my heart I just felt like this is life to me. Like I want it to be close to me, and I you know like that's just how I felt. It was just sort of a yeah, it was like an emotional reaction, and and I just had this experience where it just carried so much weight, and one of the verses. From the Bible, I think it's in a Psalm um, that I, or might be in Isaiah, actually, that meant a lot to me at that time. Was um, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever, and it just that that just picture that um, image captured how I felt about God's word at that time. Like, and I think. Especially, and I think throughout life, there are certain um, things you can read that connect with you at that place, at that moment in your life in a way that they may not in another. And that's one of the interesting things about the Bible is you can read it over and over and over again and see things that you're like, "Ah, that didn't catch me in that way before. I didn't notice that or it didn't resonate in that way. Um, But in that moment, I think it just represented something that was unchanging, in a world where you know you're in relationships with people life is going all around you it can feel shifting chaotic uncertain and it was like wow this thing is like from the beginning of time to the end and unchanging Mm -hmm. unshakable and all these things can pass and change and come and go and this stands firm and so that's my biggest memory of that Time of my life, probably.
1: Let's talk just real quick about that unchanging aspect of Scripture, uh, because that is something that I had noted as as it being unique. and And I want you, you um, heathens that don't uh, subscribe to the Bible, it's all right to be a heathen. I was a heathen at one time. Um, there, there is significant evidence that the Bible has remained unchanged um, from ancient days, right? And I think most recently, if you want to uh, see tangible evidence that the Bible is unchanged, uh, you should research the the Dead Sea Scrolls. I think those are some of the oldest um, manuscripts that have been found of uh, Scripture, and then taking those and comparing them to this Bible that I have here, right here beside me right now. Um, they, they are compared they they are the same um and so you know jesus says in the bible that not one jot or tittle shall pass from this word uh, until the end of the end of days right and i think it's just magnificent that how in the world has this document or these documents passed how have they passed through so many hands they've been interpreted so many times they've been rewritten so many times and the actual content of the books have stayed accurate how like that is unbelievable and and i, I guess maybe maybe you could dispute that i don't know but Knowing what I know about the Dead Sea Scrolls and the oldest recorded manuscripts that we have and how they are the same as the Bible that we now hold in our hands today tells me that through the millennia, millennium, whatever, and through the interpretations and through the rewritings and all that it has, the words, the precepts, the message, all that has stayed the same. That is unbelievable. Cuz you would think somebody at some point in the chain of human history would have changed some big big aspects of what scripture says. But we have evidence that it ha- that it is unchanged at least going as far back as we have examples. That's pretty that's pretty cool, man. That is unique in my opinion. That we have that evidence that's unique. Um, So I, I, of course, am a Christian. I believe that God, through his supernatural power and ability, has preserved this word for us. I, I truly believe that. Perfectly. I believe it's perfect. Preserved just for us. Krista, you brought up another really unique point about Scripture. Jesus describes Scripture as literally, he compares it to food. Mm -hmm. He calls it daily bread. I want to testify to you right now, the words of Scripture sustain me. They literally are like, I, I get the comparison now. I never understood that, but they are literally, when you read the words of this book, they are like food that will nourish you. It's, it's wild, man. It is wild. Um, do y'all, do y'all have that same experience? I mean, yeah. And, uh. One more unique thing I, thing I think about... You got anything to add, Chili? Mm-mm. All right. One more unique thing that I would like to add. I know you probably know more about Dead Sea Scrolls and uh, all that. If you got any input on that, make sure you chime in because we're not in any hurry. We can do five episodes on the Bible if we want. I never get tired of talking about the Bible. Um, the Bible not only can be and is for believers... A daily nourishment, and it's meant to be taken as daily nourishment. Um, but it can also, it it also serves as a mirror. And I'll, I'll never forget Krista telling a story of times that she's, you know, been angry or, or been feeling a certain way, and she just wanted to sit in that because it feels good as humans to sit in that, right? And uh, times that she would actually avoid reading scripture because she knew it was going to be a mirror um showing her what was if you want i don't know use the word wrong about her way of thinking now now i'm speaking about your example i've had the same experience okay i've
2: shared it yeah
1: and so you put this you, you just keep putting it off you keep putting it off because you know as soon as you look into this word it's going to show you the truth about yourself and it is a very clear mirror that, um, changes you. So that's, that's unique. Yeah. What do you got to add, Chili, about the, uh, what do you, do you have anything to add about God's word being preserved throughout the, the millennia? Because I, I think that's interesting.
3: Yeah. I mean, you know, that's another thing about when people initially start studying is, is, uh, <laughs> which which bible are you studying because there are you know disputes on which book should be included um you know the the protestant bible is 66 books you know and the you know catholics at least some denominations and of of christians and catholics have a have a different set um you know, there's there's disputes on what should have been included in the in the New Testament, and um, I don't think a lot of people are even aware of how some of that was settled. You know, with the different ecumenical councils and the Council of Nicaea, the Council of Trent, and all that. I would study some of that too. Um, I'm
1: reading about the Council of Trent right now. Yeah,
3: Trent. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the Council of Nicaea was a, was a was a major one where they basically sat down and. And a council deter you know this was in about 325 ad uh, is that right I nailed it um, and you know they came up with a set of criteria to, to determine what what must a uh, text what what attributes must it have to be included as canon and they you know came this council came up with that criteria and then put all of the potential books uh, you know through that criteria and then de- determined what what it was and then there was still some disputes and that's that's I mean, that's part of why we have different denominations now i mean it goes back that far of you know what what was the disagreement on this and 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 all that so i mean i would study part of that too because that that's part of what what has been preserved is you know is what what is truly scripture i mean that that's not cut and dry in everybody's mind and um
1: i don't know that's that's it, it definitely requires an aspect of faith yeah for 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 me to sit here and say that this bible that i hold is perfect and complete
3: it's not missing a book. It's not missing well, and it anything. hasn't added one that shouldn't be in there.
1: Exactly. It it does take an aspect of faith for me to say that because that by saying that what I really mean is that when man basically put all these books together to create the canon of scripture what I'm what I'm saying is that I believe that the Holy Spirit had the had influence over those humans through that process to where they weren't acting and thinking with their own human minds and will and action. That the Holy Spirit influenced that, brought this together, made it perfect and complete. Yeah. That takes a lot of faith to believe that, but I, I truly believe that. I truly believe that.
3: Well, you know, and and that's the thing is, I mean, there are people who believe the same but they're looking at a slightly different I mean, they're looking at a Bible that has some stuff added or has some stuff taken away from that, you know, and I mean, the the, the Bible that you are that you study, that I mean, that is the the overwhelmingly read version or if you want to call it that, or, but but uh, yeah, I mean, there is some disputes and I mean, I think that's, that's worth studying like, Hey, what's, what's that all about? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just because some of these aspects, I think, I think a lot of people aren't even aware that that's, that they, you know, they, they kind of know the book, but they don't know the history of the book or the books. And sometimes that's worth, that's worth studying. Like, you know, who wrote, who wrote what I'm reading, mm-hmm. who wrote. This, because, if you, like you said, it's a series of books or a collection of books. So if you read whatever book, you, name one, you know, who, who wrote it? And, I mean, what was what were they doing at the time? And sometimes the book will tell you some of that. And, you know, sometimes understanding some of that, you, you have to, where you get that history is from outside of the Bible because the Bible doesn't record some stuff. And then how, well, is that accurate? You know, is the history about moses extra biblically outside of the bible that's written about moses you know what do you do with that is like is that is this accurate information what about more recent stuff with you know there there's a lot of uh texts written about some of the disciples and jesus you know that aren't in the new testament so what, what 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 are those is that real history or is that not you know yeah i mean all that's all that's questions and i think all that's worth Studying to understand what you're studying mm. when you study the Bible. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So just adding context to, uh, adding context to, and, the and Bible. also
3: being cognizant of, like, hey, I'm reading this, this historical text about whatever, but it may not be, I mean, accurate. Yeah, you know, it's, it may, but but still study it and try to understand, like, hey, maybe maybe this will help me understand more of why this was the way it was. And it kind of back to the languages too. You know, Mm -hmm. if you understand Greek, which I tried to, (laughs) it's tough, but it it helps you be like, Oh, this is, I think this is what this means.
1: And so if your mind works like chili, (laughs) do all that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, okay. Well, that brought me to uh, my next question: When you go, you get you you want to study the Bible. What, what? I, I hate I hate to even use the word version, but I guess that's the only word that I know to come to mind. Meaning, translation, translation. King James Version, New King James Version, New International Version. These these different styles of of uh, speech. I get right? asked that all the time. Essentially, is this is another question that I get all the time. All right. It's it's different obviously the way that we talk has changed over the years. And that is my understanding of the versions shifting maybe to update in terms of the way we communicate, the way we talk, right? Um, so I will answer the question first. I prefer to read the King James Version Bible. Now, that is not for any crazy uh, reason. I, I know uh, we had Chris Hewitt on the podcast. He has a lot of evidence uh, that he believes shows that the King James Version Bible is is a more Powerful and accurate representation of the original language uh, than other versions, okay? I like to read the King James Version Bible because I love the way it's written. I love that type of speech. I read a book a while back, a long time ago, I've read it multiple times, called The Pilgrim's Progress. And it's written in the old King James type language. The book is hundreds of years old. And, um, that's where I got good at reading, and I actually enjoy reading that style of language. It's just powerful to me. It flows. It's just a beautiful uh, written word, that style of writing. And that's why I prefer the King James Version Bible. How about you guys?
2: Um, there are a lot of different uh, translations And I think they can range on a spectrum from uh, paraphrasing. So you might have something like the message message, written by Eugene Peterson. And then you might have something that's more literal. um, That's like really attempts to look at the original languages and whether it is a smooth translation or not tries to be very literal, like as close to word for word as you can be from the original languages. The tricky thing with that, though, is um, when you're dealing with languages and translating languages, one language into another, often there's not a literal, it's not, because the syntax of language and different structures of language, you can't do that necessarily, just really be word for word. Um, you run that into that things, like even just translating English and Spanish or, you know, that that kind of thing happens. So you can't actually be literal Um but I think there are people and translators who try to, str- who really strive to be as close to that as possible, and then you have a range in between who want to be literal, but they say we also have to make this p- pretty readable and put it into language that maybe terms that we use more often today. Um, so I think there is a, a, there are a range of translations along that. Uh, I, I read the ESV, the English Standard Version. Uh I think it is strives to be very literal historic, um, very tries to be accurate in translation, uh, but is still fairly readable to me. So uh that's my preference is the English Standard Version. Um I like that version. Um but I've read other things. I think when I first started really reading and studying the Bible, the NIV was a big translation, a pretty popular one. Um I think and sometimes people get tied to a translation because they memorize verses
1: yeah. or, or memorize
2: scripture in a certain translation and so then then when you read another translation or try to use another translation it's it's uh can be tricky to to switch back and forth. So sometimes I think pe- people settle into a version because it's familiar and mm-hmm. it's maybe what they they grew up with. So but that's kind of where I am.
0: Okay. Like I will read the New King James I, I like the
1: New King James too. Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't like. I mean, to me, it's a pretty. It's it's very similar to King James, but it's uh, much more readable for me. Uh, I I can read that, but it takes me longer to mm-hmm. sort through it. And so, I like yeah. the New King James best. And sometimes I will read the uh, the Amplified, but if I'm actually studying, because the Amplified will bracket and put like a it amplifies whatever the Bible's trying to convey, and so. Uh, I'll read that sometimes to spur other thoughts or gain deeper understanding, but I'll always fall back to the New King James uh, to check accuracy or truth or
1: or whatever. Hmm. What do you think, Charlie? What do you think about all these versions, man? And yeah, do I don't you see a problem with it. Or, well, I mean,
3: I think I think it adds to the the to the confusion for a lot of people's minds. I, I don't. Everyone always wants to know what my preferences. Oh, yeah. Or everybody, not me, they want to know, you know, whoever's preference. And I don't have one. I mean, I I don't, you know, I wish I could read it in its original. I wish I could understand how to read it in its original language and not have to have it translated, you know, but uh, I can't I can't do that. But, you know, so even if you try to study it in a way that I do a lot of times where I'm not like picking up. So I'm not just picking up a, a physical Bible and reading whichever full translation that it happens to be, whether it's any of the ones you named—ESV, King James, New King James, NASB, whatever. I'm doing that, and and you accompany it with, you know, that's the thing too about the internet. I don't know how you do this without the internet. But are you
1: are you using that Blue Letter Bible?
3: I use that sometimes. Uh, Bible Gateway. There's there's lots of different things. Um, okay. but yeah, Blue Letter Bible is is probably one of the best. Uh, but even that is it. I mean, it's translated, but it's parsed out in a different way where you can really basically go word for word, and then I don't know. I think it's different than if you read it translated without looking at this, because then you can you can even go away from Blue Letter Bible to another resource that that. Y- breaks down okay this is how this is this small section or verse and it was written in this way and it has this sentence structure so that lets you know kind of like I said earlier whether it's being literal or whether it's an allegory or whatever and you go oh okay so that that opens it up more Mm -hmm. but a lot of that I think can be too overwhelming maybe for people but what I'm getting at is the translations there's so many out there Krista did a great job explaining all of that It um, I think it lends to to having more interpretations. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, when there's different, when there's so many different translations that are all very similar. I mean, it's not, but it's. I think you can you can read the same verse in this translation versus this one, and and a lot of times our simple minds we go, oh, this means this. And then someone else reads the other version. They go, "Oh, that this means something different," you know. Mm -hmm. And and that's 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 a lot of how those disputes and those interpretations different differing interpretations arise. So I mean, I think that's one thing that translations cause um, having so many. But if you if you advocated for just one translation, do away with all of them, and we're just going to have the King James. Well, then then you would have to question. Or you know, is the like like Krista said, is this translated how's this translated? We still have to study. So to me, getting back to the original language as much as possible is a great thing, but that's extremely hard to do. Mm-hmm. I don't speak Hebrew or Greek.
1: Well, when, talk, when, and talk. when you
3: do study it, you are still translating it. I mean, yeah. you can't get away from that, you know. So
1: yeah. talk about that blue letter Bible uh it's a website, right? Talk about that just quickly, so the yeah, listeners can Blue Letter use it as Bible, a resource.
3: It's, it's. Um, I, I think you could go on there and pull up the Bible in any translation that you want, like any of them, and and just read the whole Bible online that way if you wanted to. But what also accompanies it is this resource of the the full manuscript of the original language, where you can then highlight words, go in, you know, click define this, see what it was, and then see the full sentence structure and then if you want to take it further there's resources on the app to understand the the grammatical structure of some of the sentences and and then and you could also take what you saw there and and you know research it outside of blue letter bible but it's a good resource man
1: okay i've heard of people using that before yeah yeah did you have anything to add krista
2: uh, no, I think I was just thinking when he's talking about original languages and the, the difficulty of that, because we do get more and more removed and, and then we have to, unless we study it on our own, I did take two years of Greek in college. Um, and it does change the way that you read the Bible. Like oh, yeah. I remember after taking Greek reading things and being like, huh, I never realized because something will be, a word will be in a certain tense and they have different tenses than yeah. we even use in <laughs> certain ways. And so it, it does change the way you hear things. Mm. So it is it is interesting to, to be able to do that somewhat, but we're the common person isn't going to do that or be able to do that, and so we do rely on people who um, nope. go through seminary and do take courses where they study the original languages, and, you know, it's easy to, to poo-poo those people and say, oh, well, you know, <laughs> you shouldn't be part of a church where you have this pastor standing up there, but those people work hard, <laughs> work hard to study those languages and they invest a lot of time when they're hopefully (laughs) when they're writing their sermons and they're, they're really taking time to study and present the word to people. They, they do gather those things that it's a little more difficult for the, the average person to do on their own throughout the, the week. And so, um, so it's a balance between, you know, trusting that, trusting other resources, people who like are, um, teachers and who do invest in that kind of stuff. And there are books and resources where you can they reference those things as well. But I agree with chili that the closer you can get to those sources, um, yeah. the better it would be.
3: Yeah. It's, it's tough though. I don't, yeah, you got to learn a whole new alphabet.
1: <laughs> yeah. <Whew. laughs> I love that man. Um, all right now. So we pick up scripture, uh, now, for all the heathens, if you read scripture, you are going to get. Uh, I think you're going to get a lot of value out of uh, the the not only the historical aspects of scripture. Uh, I think you're going to get a lot of value in terms of tangible uh, ways to live your life, uh, to conduct yourself, to conduct your business, to conduct your family. Um, to interact with others, uh, I think you're going to get a lot of great value out of it, okay? Um, now, I will say, though, for for people who um, have uh, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in them, right, people who have accepted Christ, people who uh, are Christians, um, I have to say that there was also a moment for me, Krista, where when I received Christ as my Savior, I was actually able to understand Scripture in a different way. See it in a different light. I think that's when you get that feeling of of um, the daily bread, right? Just the sustainment that it provides and and even a new understanding of it. And I think, in my personal experience, That is one of the things, one of the main things that happens when you submit yourself to Christ and you're reconciled unto your Creator. One of the main things that happens that changes the trajectory of your life is you begin to understand Scripture in a different way, see it in a different light, okay? And to me... That is one thing that the Holy Spirit does for us. He actually helps reveal things in scripture that we can never see, that we would never see with our human eyes. Have you had that experience, Blake? Or Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think
0: I think a lot of things in life are that way, even you know, especially the Bible, because that's how that's how God—one of the main ways God speaks to us is through the Bible. So without having the Holy Spirit inside of you, I don't know how you could say that anything in there that you got was not from Him.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, let's move on. This—the This. Uh, this the Bible is broken into two parts. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Chili or Krista, will you guys please explain to us the difference, uh, the importance of the difference between the two? Well, I mean, just to... You just pick up whatever he misses, Krista. (laughs) Well,
3: I would just keep it... I guess I'm going to miss a lot because I'm not going to talk on that forever. But, I mean, it's an Old Testament and a New Testament, an Old Covenant and a New Covenant, you know. What does that mean? There would be, well... (laughs) basically let's just say there would be no new testament or new covenant without jesus right i mean that that's what that's what marked the end of the old covenant and began the new um what jesus did and the old covenant was what what do you mean
1: what 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 does the old covenant what, I mean, covenant it, of what once
3: again it, it
1: uh, way I mean, we could
3: talk for five hours. I, I mean, mean, it's... A, a that, br-
2: brief, uh, maybe, explanation of a covenant. Because, I mean, yeah, we, that's probably that's a not promise. a very common, mean, common term today. I mean, you might hear it in regards to marriage. But, um, but, yeah, it's a promise, a promise that God made to the people that he created and, in particular, a special group of people. But the reason he made it to this group of people was because he had a plan for Jesus to come through that line of people. But it um, was an agreement and a promise to be their God and that he would, they, they would be his people and he would be their God. And, um, and so throughout the Old Testament, the books that are known as the Old Testament, the older scriptures, um, you know, Moses, all of those scriptures, the Psalms, the, the prophets, those, um, the, the law, you know was what kind of uh, guided and regulated the people during that time, and then Jesus came on the scene. And that's um, there's a new covenant because um, the conditions of those that old covenant uh were no longer it was just it was changed because Jesus met the conditions of that covenant. The people mm. couldn't keep in a covenant, both parties had to keep the agreement, but the people failed. The people did not. God had to keep the covenant for them. And so, um, Jesus met the requirements that the people couldn't. And so he's the new covenant. And, um, so it, that's the new Testament is the, the part of the Bible that describes, uh, the point from which Jesus came basically and, um, revealed himself and from basically John to, uh, or sorry, Matthew to revelation. Yeah. So, I
3: don't know. That's kind of a Old old, old covenant you would sacrifice you, you know your sin required a blood sacrifice mm-hmm. and then Jesus the, sacri- the the ultimate sacrificial lamb began the new covenant essentially. Mm. It's one way to say it too. I mean.
1: So his in in a historical but from a historical stance the old covenant is everything prior to Christ. Mm-hmm. The new covenant would be everything after Christ. Um, came to the earth, and then was crucified. So, okay, good. Um, and raised from the dead. And raised from the dead, yeah. Um, that's a pretty important part. If Christ didn't didn't come back alive, that's a big problem. <laughs> so, uh, you know, one thing, talking about the Old Testament, you guys made a point, that was God's covenant, in in the beginning with all of mankind but then later as the i guess as you progress through human history it became more specific to this certain group of people called the the jewish people right and the jewish people by by the way um it it, there it's odd the the jewish people are odd i can you can you compare but but really can you compare i don't know that there is a comparison to the jewish people in all you know,
2: somebody's gonna take that little clip of this podcast
1: oh i'm sure they will. I, yeah look uh can you compare the jewish people to any other um group of humans in all of human history I mean, it's like you can you can compare them to any other group, but, but it depends but, on but what I, I mean. but I'm saying like you have the Jewish people; they can trace their heritage back to the ancient of days, well, right? No, it, that is the Bible, exactly. That's who wrote the Bible. I mean, exactly, and and so and and now and and not to mention they have been persecuted, and people have tried their dangest to wipe this group of people off the face of the earth for a long, long time. And nobody's been able to do it. And they can trace their heritage back to the Ancient of Days. And you have all these other uh, cultural groups, like, say, the Egyptians or the Persians or... or um, you you name it. I'm sure there's hundreds, if not thousands, of them that they they haven't been preserved in the way the Jewish people have been preserved throughout all of recorded human history, and it's just so unique to me. And you think, why did this have to happen? Why did God have to preserve a certain group of people throughout all of human history? Why? If he didn't do that, you realize that God, the one true God, the creator of humanity and of the universe, if he didn't preserve a people, especially for himself, the the memory of him would have got lost in the mix. Like all other, pretty much all other gods throughout human history, it would have gotten lost in the mix. If if we would if somebody would have successfully, way back in the day, wiped the Jewish people off the face of the earth, who would have preserved the the knowledge of the one true God? There had to be somebody to preserve the knowledge of the one true God, and that's why the Jewish people have been sustained throughout what we know as human history. I just think that's unique man personally i think yeah. about that a lot
2: well and jesus came from that line that they they were preserved as a remnant so that um because he was going to be the fulfillment of everything and so yeah. it can't you know they had to be preserved so that he could appear yeah and be born
1: well, and jews don't believe in jesus i know so it, it's I, I know the topic has a lot more depth than i described to it yeah. um but you know, I just, I just think it's, it's, it's interesting. Fascinating. It's fascinating as we talk about the Old Testament and God's covenant. Eventually, then with the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. Um, so we talked about the old covenant, new covenant. Now let's dig into the the question that I think a lot of people want to know, especially new Christians, maybe even old people who have been Christians for a long time but haven't really been serious about studying Scripture is where where should they start?